1: Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth Show. Today, my special guest is Betsy Cerullo, and we'll be talking about her new book, Shake It Off Leadership, Achieving Success Through the Eyes of Our Labels. Are you ready to stop allowing others' perceptions and labels of you limit what you can accomplish have you had enough of the outright or subtle undermining of your career or self-esteem by the ways, of pe- by the ways people categorize you or the way you categorize yourself? Betsy Cerulo had had her fail, and so she stepped up to claim her labels and make them her fuel for greater success and in her new book, Shake It Off Leadership, Achieving Success Through the Eyes of Our Labels, she will offer the guidance on how she did it and how it can transform your life and your business. Betsy felt the sting of disempowering external perceptions early. Her mother made no effort to hide. She favored the boys in the family over the girls and that they could have nearly unlimited freedom but the females had to live according to a specific standard. And then in college, when she came out, after falling for one of her classmates, she began to experience the sting of unkind and discriminating labels. In business, as she tried to rise as a young executive search professional, she found her way blocked, and her salary less simply because she was a woman. But with skill and determination, She built a hugely successful boutique professional staffing and executive search firm, AdNet and AccountNet, advocates for workplace excellence and equality. But along the way, she decided to throw off the limitations of those labels, embrace those she was proud of, and choose the labels she wanted to define her. Today Betsy is going to explore the concept of Shake It Off Leadership and for more information you can visit Betsy's website which is BetsyCerulo.com and that's betsycerul com. And with that I'd like to welcome Betsy to the show. Good day Betsy.
0: Hi Robert. So nice to finally meet you and thank you for having me today.
1: Thank you. It is my pleasure. And, you know, this is Leadership Week. <laughs> I have one other show. During the, uh, there was two days ago, and it was about leadership. So, um, Oh, I love you. it. Uh, I know. And, and then I just find out, I find sometimes, you know, show topics that the like guests can choose their date, Um but sometimes they just line up, and it just seems like there's a need to be heard on a certain topic, and, And right now it seems like it's leadership, so anyway, I'm really glad to have you here. Um, Um. Okay, so shake it off leadership. So uh, I usually like to try and have the guest maybe start with what inspired you uh, to write this particular book and especially
0: this particular time. Well, it was a time to share the evolution of my personal and professional life as a gay woman and how that influenced my leadership style. And some of my life experiences in my 40s forced me to take a deeper look at how I responded to situations. So those hard lessons and the wisdom helped me to fine-tune my leadership as well as broaden my view of how I approached business in general. So... Having finished and launched the book now, it was an opportunity for me to use my words as a way to influence up and coming leaders to make good change
1: yeah, so now um what would you say um you know there's a lot of talk right now, people are talking about their story, you know that people want I mean, everybody does have a story, you know, and um Sometimes our story includes labels. <laughs> you know, I mean, labels uh, that we we self-identify with, or labels others perceive. So, mm-hmm. um, what, what what is your view on, um, I, I, I guess, uh, defining our story? I mean, what 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 would you say recognizing Labels play a part, you know, in, you know, our identification of self. So, how,
0: I guess there is not, I'm
1: asking, like maybe a good use of
0: labels, maybe a misuse of labels? I think it goes both ways. So, we all have labels of some sort that may be obvious and labels that we've acquired along the way. So mine is, I'm a, a gay woman. I'm also, I'll call myself an elder. I'm a business owner. You know, I, I could go down the list with different things. And labels can even be something as in having, having clean water to drink. Someone that has health care. I mean, you know, there's so, there's so many different labels. And I believe that we can use our labels to really strengthen us. And there's times that my labels held me back. And I think it's really a choice of, okay, here's what the universe has given me of of these labels at this point in time or maybe from birth. How can I use those labels to enhance my life? How can I make a difference in, in the world for someone else? And, you know, also the flip side is how, how have those labels held me back? And what I always recommend is at the points that we see that certain labels have held us back or we've been discriminated, how can we rise above that so the quality of our life is good? And you know, and for some that's, it's a very, it, it's a personal journey on how to make those shifts.
1: Yeah, I mean because it's one of the things that I often (laughs) contemplate. What I, you know, because um, I've done uh, like fifteen hundred shows, and Mm -hmm. each one is such a unique story, and and many times it's people who have um, overcome some struggle or opposition or that kind of thing, and. And I know, you know, particularly in the LGBT community, you know, there are just so many, um, uh, I, I guess, uh, preconceived ideas, you know, that, that some people mm-hmm. have. That. But anyway, I think they're changing. But, um, so, you've had both. You've had experiences where labels have been beneficial and, and not. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. how have you. Um, dealt with those that have not I don't know I probably should have you different not know to with them mm-hmm. like uh depending on the, the uh, mm-hmm. obstacle.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, growing up and uh, uh, being the youngest of five and a Roman Catholic family, it wasn't you know, it wasn't really welcomed that I was gay. And it's just just back in the 80s, you know what would people think or here's what the rules are in the Catholic church and that doesn't fit it. So I had to I had to really fight and swim upstream and it was difficult at times. Now, you know, now and at uh at my age of 60, I can look back and say, you know, back then it was uncomfortable, it hurt uh You know, whatever I had to overcome, if I look back now and I just say, you know, that really made me stronger. I'm a very resilient person, and I believe that those barriers that my mother put in our family system, whether, you know, being gay or, you know, being a woman, that helped me to navigate the business world with, I think, more resilient eyes. Now, it wasn't always easy, and still today, being a woman, and especially being a person of color in the business world, it's it still, we don't get the same opportunities from those who are not in those categories. But we, I think we as a collective have learned how to take our strengths and and rise above that. And, and some of those difficult times and those wounds have just made us more aware, and have made us stronger and wiser, even when it didn't feel good.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the, the darn upside of problems and challenges is that you learn by them, and you do become stronger, and you become. Yes. Uh, and that that awareness really also helps you to be of um, benefit to others who, who go through those uh, challenges. Um, sure, but
0: Robert, if you asked me that question 20 years ago, my answer would be different because being in the thick of of the world as it was 20 years ago, there I wasn't forthright that I was gay. didn't really talk about it in business. And sometimes when it came to business opportunities, I almost had to just kind of, well, this is what I've got, and how do I work around it? So, But, you know, again, with age comes wisdom. And my hope in sharing my story is that people who are up and coming, and it may not be about age, but it could be up and coming in terms of entrepreneurship or leadership, that you can take those labels and you can build yourself to be a stronger person as a result of them, even the pain that came from them.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is, that's true. And one of the things that, you know, we also have the, um, power and the ability to choose how we view mm-hmm. ourselves. You know, and we don't have to accept any other person's view, period, for what they yeah. think, you know, just strictly our own, um, platform. So now, as um, an LGBT woman, and elder, in business, um, what, what would you say are some, uh, challenges particular to, oh, and, and you know, and woman of color, you know, particular, I mean, you, you would, because there are many, several different, um, challenged groups, I mean, groups who, you know, who we have, uh, challenges, we kind of read right out before them. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. What would, you know, what has you, um, what would you say is the biggest challenges you encounter, you know, in any of those particular categories?
0: Well, even in the year 2022, when I am part of discussions or, uh, you know, business events, where I would do my elevator pitch that I'm an LGBT certified company, I kind of, you know, I kind of watch the reactions. Even though most of the time it's at this point in time it's virtual, but there there have been times even prior to COVID when I would be on a panel and I would. Be talking about my business certifications and one of them is that, uh, through the National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce I have a certification that's an LGBT enterprise certification. And there have been times that I can, I can tell by some of the responses where it's like a gasp or I have been told by colleagues of mine who were in the audience that were sitting around people that were just like, <gasps> and so but I you know again I'm at a point in my life where I know who I am I have such a wonderful group of employees who make our company so strong that if somebody does not want to do business with us because of my sexual orientation or because of the diversity that's on our workforce then we're not interested in doing business with those kind of people And that's, you know, that's just become our, our mantra over the years. We, we're not going to do business with people who don't have accepting and, and welcoming workplaces. Or perspectives.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, that, that people have to have the same views or, you know, political views as me. I'm just saying that people have to be respectful of people's differences.
1: Exactly, accepting and, and respectful. I mean, you know, um, I guess respectful is more important. Um, so, what um, have you had any particular examples where um, you've noticed uh, where you know women are held to a different standard than men? you know in in your experience? What's been your experience?
0: Yes. So I notice in just in sometimes general conversations that I will often hear from women when a man does something questionable, the, the natural answers are, well, he's really a nice guy, or he's really busy, or he didn't mean that. But if a, when a woman were to go back on her word and not show up for whatever reason, we as women just cut the guy's you know, cut the guys a lot of slack, and we're often really hot and really hard on each other. So we often get negative labels, but we seem to give men more room for error than each other. So, you know, why does that occur? I, I don't know whether it's just conditioning from years of it being that way. So, I will politely interrupt my friends and and or my business colleagues when I hear those kind of responses, and I'll say, "Well, yeah, um, he is a really nice guy, but if if he didn't mean to do that or say it, why did he and if he's really busy, so you mean you and I aren't busy? Do you think we have nothing to do all day or we you know we play uh we play video games all day, but we don't we we cut." Guys sometimes way too much slack than we cut each other. So, you know, if you, if you even look at the world of politics, women make one mistake and they're banished, but we're surrounded by a lot of men that don't do the right thing and they seem to keep going along with, you know, minimal to no consequences. And, you know, that has to stop. And I, I, I can't even tell you, Robert, that it's getting better because if you watch some of the old movies about, you know, politics that went on in the 1800s or what have you, you see that there's still some of the same problems. So I, I don't know if that will ever ever really get corrected, but I think we as women just really need to take a stand more when we see that we're being held to a different standard
1: yeah yeah you know, it, it, it's the same within mm-hmm. with any type of um prejudice or judgment you know that that kind of thing i mean there's really no place for it, whether it be sexual orientation you know mm-hmm. ethnic ethnicity religion mm-hmm. i mean i just i i think it's kind of good to stuff. Respect, you know, respecting each other as who they are, (laughs) for who they are. Yeah. And so now you you titled the book Shake It Off Leadership. Why did you Mm -hmm. select that?
0: Well, I played sports through high school and college, and it was very common that a coach would scream from the sidelines. Shake it off. And you had to regroup in, like, a nanosecond and get your mind right and go and do your best to win the next point, or you'd keep there and shake it off. So, I, you know, I always had that with me whenever something would occur in life, like, okay, shake it off, but not where something bad would happen and I would shake it off and I would ignore it, but it was just, okay, this happened. I've got to deal with it. I've got to shake it off right now from a leadership perspective, handle it, and keep going. And sometimes it would be I have to keep going and handle it later, whatever the urgency was. But you have to get yourself back on track quickly, especially being a small business owner and especially being a leadership role. Because if we if we hang on to the things that kind of knocked us – knock this over a little bit we're just not going to make progress and and we have to keep going and that's really what you know Shake It Off is about. Okay
1: and for now regarding the workplace and and, you know Mm -hmm. in in your book you talk about uh, workplace culture and Mm as many moons ago I was part of an HR group in a very large corporation and so Mm -hmm. workplace culture Always a uh, topic. Um, and and, and yep. there were like, I lived through three different kind of uh, purchases and takeovers, and each time, you know, there had to be mm-hmm. a culture check, you know, kind of thing mm-hmm. going on. So, in today's workplace, can um, you, you talk about, uh, you know, for example, your workplace, that you have established, can mm-hmm. you talk about? What the culture is that you have at your workplace, and maybe just a couple things that you do as part of your organization that um, conveys that culture.
0: Absolutely, and I'm and I'm so proud of our workplace because it's become. It's become the culture it is now because many people are involved in the creation and the ongoing sustainability of it. So it's not just me. Yes, I do set the stage, but it's the people in the culture that work for my company that make it great. And our workplace values include trust, integrity, and accountability, and it's practiced across everyone on the team, including myself. So as the leader, it's up to me to model the culture through my behaviors and practices. And, you know, when you have toxic behaviors around us, whether you're at work or personally, it uses up a lot of energy to endure as well as to clean it up. So if the space, meaning the workplace space, is a non-toxic work environment, once a toxic behavior reveals itself here, It's quickly identified, and we tend to move faster to either shift the behavior or transition the employee out of the company. So I think, you know, having been in HR, if people are used to toxic environments, there's instances where they don't know how to act otherwise. So if you're trying to shift the culture, and it really is a healthy culture, but you have have people that have come with workplace wounds, it's not – it's not like, okay, Friday, this, this workplace, this company, this company used to ha- own the company. This organization used to own the company. Now on Monday, we've opened the door in a new culture. It doesn't change overnight. You have to work with people to shift old beliefs and make it safe. So in essence, things like communication and follow-up are not automatic for everyone. If they come from environments, To support those qualities. And it takes time for people to learn the culture and know that what we say here at Adnet is really what's expected. There's no, you know, there's no hidden agenda. This is what it is. So we all bring personal behaviors or conditioning whenever we come into a workplace. So as a team, we do our best to blend in the best of each individual to create a well-balanced and healthy group. And we hire for qualities like accuracy, big picture thinking, and compassion. And compassion, for example, and we listen for our core values through the interview process, and as well as references from previous managers and and coworkers. And um, I think what happens is sometimes companies take. um, They take shortcuts, and they don't always check the references. But we learned that we pay attention to any red flag that shows up in a reference, which is why we check up to three references. So we're listening for consistency and strengths, and we play close attention to to weaknesses. So that's part of, you know, how you hire is important on how you sustain a healthy work culture.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now... Your the values of trust, integrity and accountability um, mm-hmm. yeah. could you give us an example of where maybe trust was an issue? I mean you know I mean how could cause see that's one of the things that I'm, I'm trying to um, put my arms around um, a behavior that mm-hmm. um, would, uh, that would kind of go against, you know, one of those particular values. And, and mm-hmm. uh, for example, in Trump. So do you have an example where maybe, if not a real one, but was an example of yep. what, how could show up, like could show up?
0: Well, so I can give you an actual example. We had an employee in a role, and this happened over the past three years. I, I'd say two to three years. And we had someone in a role that was doing operations-related tasks. So they were handling some of the billing processes. And there were times that I would be doing a, uh, a a check over some reports, and I'd ask them questions and say, you know, can you make sure it's done this way, or has this been done? And the responses I would get, you know, yeah, I got this. Don't worry about it. So I'm, I'm trusting. Now, mm-hmm. we noticed that there, there were some issues with the employee Great. Person couldn't was, was just probably in over their head, and so we let the person go, and come to find out through our audit and cleanup that there were some you know pretty significant mistakes that made that were made where there was some overbilling or overpaying, and we had to go in and fix it. And from a profitability standpoint, you know, that definitely cut into cut into our bottom line and. Uh, but we had to clean it up. So th- there's times where, okay, this is a person who's a great person to work with, really well-liked. Well you, I ask the question, and when you get a response, I've got it handled. Uh, that's where me as a leader say, you know what, I'm going to trust that person. So going forward, once we changed that, we transitioned the employee, the employee out, we put in some other checks and balances to make sure that, if there was another scenario that 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 could happen, that we had some other checks and balances that could catch it. And it wasn't about, you know, then the, when the other person came in here, it wasn't about not trusting that person. It was really about keeping us all accountable. And in essence, it was like a safety net for the person who was taking over that role that any mistake would be caught.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's good. And, and, you know, just from the way that you explained it, um, I, I just heard it was so little, <laughs> none judgment. You know, I mean, it was just what mm-hmm. a, a happened and and a corrective procedure. You know, and yes, um, you know. So my, my HR guy just kind of thought that he was like, damn that was good." <laughs> you know, that was uh, mm-hmm. the perfect way to approach And and I think, you know, unfortunately, I mean, I've had my share of bought to see took the the blame route, you know, probably I mean, passing the blame kind of route, um, mm-hmm. rather rather than you know, ownership in, in any kind of business. So I'm um, in at that top. <laughs> uh,
0: so well, you know Robert as we have mm-hmm. this conversation and I'm you know and I'm and I'm sharing it in a you know, what's the word I want? Maybe a a very balanced and neutral perspective. Believe me, once those mistakes were discovered, several of us on the team we were pretty frustrated, <laughs> pretty frustrated. But so then we look at, okay, so how do we make sure this doesn't happen again? And it was an opportunity to improve a process. But you know, don't don't think that I just I sat there really calm. Oh, okay, let's fix it. I was frustrated.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, well, uh, that, that, we're about halfway through the show, so I want to just take a quick break. And, and then when we come back, um, sure. there are a couple kind of just, uh, issue um, topics that, that I want to cover that are, you know, in general and, and then how they, uh, apply to shake about leadership, okay? So, okay, sure. Everyone, stay tuned. We'll be right back up to this brief break. This is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows, along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,600 shows that we have had during the past 12 years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, nature photography, calendars, and 5x7 photo greeting cards. Our show is a free podcast on Block Talk Radio, iHeart Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on social media platforms Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms on the top of our homepage. Our website, byteradio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests and especially today's guest. And now back to the show. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest is Betsy Cerullo, and we are talking about her book, Shake It Off Leadership, Achieving Success with the Eyes of Our Label. And again, you can find out more by visiting Betsy's website, which is BetsyCerullo.com, and that's B-E-T-S-Y-C-E-R-U-L-O.com. Okay, with that, we're back at
0: Hi, Robert.
1: Okay, so um, I want to kind of just touch on a few topics and, and kind of just get your input on them. And now, one of them that is um, kind of been uh, a challenge for maybe leaders um, during the time of uh, COVID and the releases is... Um, How leaders respond to grief in the workplace. You know, Mm -hmm. with so many workplace violence issues going on, um, can you talk about, you know, kind of what your experience is or, or, or how you handle that kind of situation?
0: Grief is, it's such a personal thing. And we all respond to it differently. Um, and i and I got um, definitely handed a lot of practice on that. I had two brothers pass away of sudden heart attacks about ten years ago, eighteen months apart. So, you know, for myself as the leader, well, let's put this as a human being, it just took my breath away. It was like having the rug pulled out of my life and watching my family of origin being dismantled. So um, for me, how I dealt with it, uh, we were also coming out of the recession, but we had lost um, a a big contract. uh, So I couldn't I couldn't stay home in bed and, and be sad. I had to be able to balance it. And I, just, you know, my wife was just wonderful. She heard the support. Um, you know, when I had my, an anxiety attack, my first one, she just made me repeat the serenity prayer over and over again until I, I calmed myself. So, It's really, you know, from a leadership perspective, we have to be able to acknowledge whatever grief is that we have. And in a lot of cases, we still have to do our job. So really what that it was was I had to take quality time in the morning to meditate, ground myself. I was mindful where I put myself, like what type of meetings I put myself in when I first came back after all the funerals. And then when I went home at night, I had to just really keep myself as as quiet as I could and acknowledge that I was grieving. So, you know, that was my experience. I had a couple, you know, bumps along the way. Um, I am a recovering alcoholic, and it was during that time that it was challenging for me, but it brought me to sobriety. But in my workplace, when when people have losses here, you know, yes, we have bereavement time, and I wish that as a as a company we could give endless amount of bereavement time, but we're a small business, but we support mm-hmm. people. You know, you take your time, and when you do have to come back, you know, be gentle with yourself. Go home early. Why don't you sleep in? You know, we're watching to see how... How our teams are, you know, how do, how, you can tell by someone's voice, you can tell by the look in their eye, and we, we don't sweep it under the carpet. We, we acknowledge it so that people are cared for as they're doing their jobs.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I, I wonder about, because I know, you know, most, not say most, many companies have bereavement, types of policies. Um, and and it is like you said it's so individual that it's really hard to um, you know kind of put a time on mm-hmm. um, on managing managing right. Um Now you mentioned addiction, the alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Um, so how how did that um, impact mm-hmm. your leadership? And um, tell us about you know before and after you know that uh, the addiction
0: uh, i started I started my company at twenty eight and uh, I was very social with my friends. loved to go out and alcohol tagged along too and once the evening came, I loved to be out with my friends and alcohol was a way for me to relax and quiet the work stuff in my head. You know it's time. Went on. I'd come home some nights, some nights, and pour a glass of wine, which became two, and you know, you get the picture. The next morning, Mm -hmm. I'd have a hangover, but I had to be at my best at work, even when my head was pounding. So, you know, along the way, I had some knocks over the head, and I had to really pay attention to it, and I would, I would give it up for extended periods of time, and found that you know, this feels really good. I was a lot clearer. But then I kind of fell down the slippery slope, and it was after, um, you know, it was after my brothers died that that really messaged to me that it was time to be kinder to my body. So every addict has a personal story that resonates for themselves and is what drives us to become sober. And, you know, I don't have a dramatic story to share other than I knew my relationship with alcohol had to change. And I'd often wonder what my life would look like if I didn't drink. So, you know, immediately when I stopped, the clarity accelerated my response time as a leader and my willingness to dive into a hornet's nest with less angst and more courage. My intuitive peripheral vision was wider, and I started to clear out toxic relationships which in addition to sobriety was one of the best gifts I gave myself. So, and I think as a result of that, I just became a, a much better leader, a healthier leader, a wiser leader. And, and it just, to me, enhanced my leadership capabilities. And I highly
1: recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> Very much so. And, you know, the, one of the most difficult aspects is, um removing toxic relationships from from your from around you because many times those relationships are very close relationships, long term relationships, uh, you know, long term kinds of um, things, but those are again some of the some of the most toxic but uh, but you really do gift yourself, you know, the ability of removing them. You know, it, it, so yes. you know, I I I'm all for dumping <laughs> toxicity <laughs> when necessary. Um, now, you, uh, how does your company deal with uh, issues or, or controversial topics that are going around in the world? Like, for example, in Florida, the new <laughs> law passed that we don't ever, don't say gay. Um, mm-hmm. But what, what's your feeling about
0: that? Well, you know, in 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 my company, we haven't really talked about that. Um, sometimes, if an employee, because I, I I I have other people on staff are LGBT as well, if someone has uh, wants to talk about a controversial issue, we we make space for it. And, but we're careful about it, and we set boundaries about it. And, you know, everyone on the staff has different perspectives about life, but we have a very respectful environment that we respect each other's opinions and differences. We don't spend a lot of time talking about some of those issues, but there is space for it. Now, as far as Florida, I personally absolutely don't agree with the law because I think politicians spend so much time ty- trying to control that, you know, if you, it, it, what's human nature? You tell someone not to do something, what do they do? More than not, they do it. So if you're putting this this law in place that's saying you can't have certain conversations of uh, about the LGBTQ up to you know at a certain age group I just I just think that it's a backward approach and I really wish that the politicians and some of the parents would spend more time on doing things that protect our kids because I think right. children have had a lot of harm done to them in school. That's not about having conversations. Let Let's do things that protect the safety and the well being of our children. That's where we need to spend our time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I believe that if a child has questions, you know, yes, the mm-hmm. parents should be role in, you know, in discussing. Uh, Sexuality, um, mm-hmm. and, but I, I, you know, I personally don't believe that there is, uh, and go out there and educate, you know, kindergartners on what being gay is about, you know. Now, mm-hmm. a child might mm-hmm. ask, I mean, Lord knows right. almost every speech show nowadays has a right. <laughs> So, I mean, it's things to come oh. up.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, and what do you do with a child that has two mommies or two daddies? Are you supposed to squelch that person's love for their parents, the child's love for their parents? So I just, I just think that it's a very short-sighted law, and we should be spending our time doing other things.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Now, do you, have do you experienced burnout? or, or do, how do, do you, or as a company, um, help maybe avoid burnout, workplace burnout?
0: Well, we pay attention to tiredness. We watch what we yes. see in each other's eyes as well as cues and conversations. And if any of us are having difficulty moving through any facet of our tasks, moving forward, or, or if we're using language that signifies exhaustion, and I could even say grief, we push each other to start the day later and the day earlier and to take time off. Um, with the COVID restrictions and limited interactions over the past two years, that, that impacts mental health, and that contributes to burnout. And one does not have to only maintain a fast-paced work life to feel burnt out. You know, disappointment loneliness and loss are major contributors. And, um, I learned the hard way that not acknowledging when I have hit the wall does not serve my company or me. And, um, you know, hitting the wall feels like I have nothing more to give and the well is dry. And again, everyone, everyone experiences it differently. So we listen to both spoken and unspoken cues that helps us identify burnout. Could be addressed. Um, you know, when I train for half marathons or long runs, I use a method of four minutes of running and one minute walking, which allows me to go long distances more efficiently. And, and that same mindset works for having a good work day. You know, you take breaks to rest your mind and your body, which leads to actually a more productive day, even though you think the amount of time sitting at one's desk is less. So so it's it's really about it's about balance. And it but and it's easier said than done, Robert.
1: Yeah, yeah it, it is. And, and um I don't know if that was on through many a
0: many a but
1: but really the only way to um counter that is balance like like you said. Mm-hmm. So now
0: what could you
1: most joy being a leader?
0: Joy for me as a leader is seeing someone's eyes light up with possibility or seeing that they have what it takes to overcome a challenge and when an employee presents a struggle and as a leader we you know we ask questions to them to find a solution and then they produce it's what you want to happen is they produce a prideful solution and that's so fulfilling as a leader. And we've all been there throughout our careers, feeling excited when we discover the answers. So it's amazing to be on the other side to teach the tools so a colleague or an employee can come to their own answers. Um, The heartbreaker for me as a leader is when I have to transition someone out of the organization. I want everyone to feel successful, and that's not always the case. So there are times when... Firing someone is necessary, yet it is still one of the hardest tasks for me as a leader. It's just heartbreaking.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. in my first corporate human relations mm-hmm. job, was at a bank, yeah. and um, I had to mm-hmm. give, I, they went through that downsizing, and I had to get many, uh, uh, you know, exit interviews and, and packages. And, I mean, it, it is heartbreaking, um, you know, because... Uh, you know, that uh, the grief is going to, you know, create. Um, even though sometimes people were, were quite happy with, with it, but, but that was a uh, rare occasion. Um, so, yeah, that's better. um What would you say was the most challenging part in in your, your business up to, up to date? What was one of the most challenging parts?
0: I'd say the recession in 2008, 2009, and I had to quickly move us towards the federal government. Um, at the time, the practically all of our business was commercial, and it just dried up. So that yeah. freaked me out, and I and I had to make some tough decisions, you know, including. Laying people off and 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 shifting us into another direction, and i learned I learned the federal government as quick as I could and started to get business in the door so that was that was definitely one of the hardest times that I encountered in business so um, and in the midst of that, I also transitioned out a business relationship that was weighing the company down so so there were there were a lot of obstacles to get through and it was daunting, but on the other side of it, it was a good thing. It, it, we learned a lot.
1: That's good. That's, and and transitioning toward the government and paperwork is a very brave move. <laughs> so yes, uh, yes. <laughs> um, so now tell us about your company, AdNet, and, and
0: AccountNet. So ADNET is a professional staffing and executive search firm, and our expertise is placing professionals with accounting and finance, HR, and legal expertise. We have excelled in providing EEO compliance experts as well as readers and scribes who provide support to employees who are blind, deaf, or need extra mobility support. The recruiting industry needed to add more heart and compassion to the field, and my intention continues to be that people who work with or for us feel cared for in our interactions.
1: Okay, good. And so what would you say is your proudest moment or your proudest accomplishment?
0: Personally, it would be my sobriety because with clear eyes, the quality of my family life and my work life, exponentially improved and though i am not the biological parent for our son and daughter i'm the logical parent they taught and continue to teach me to be a good parent so those were my proudest accomplishments and and i'm humbled humbled by them
1: that's great now uh, what kind of advice would you give to other diverse business owners at this particular
0: time. Make sure that you find your spot at the table and use your wisdom to be heard. Command respect by being the best vendor your customers choose, and they will always give you repeat business And as a diverse business owner, explore the numerous certifications available to diverse business owners and secure them, because oftentimes that certification, whether it's minority-owned, LGBT-owned, or women-owned, will get you in the door. And lastly, staying in the door of a customer is determined by giving your best and being accountable at every turn. Great. Very good
1: advice. Um, and you devote uh, on time in your book to legacy. So, yes. for you, what legacy, um, is legacy and its import?
0: My legacy is creating a more equitable landscape for the up and coming generations with the same passion that women before me did. I want a better life for my grandkids, and to do that, we have a responsibility to stick our neck outside of our comfort zones to interrupt social injustice. And whether that's for my grandkids or any up-and-coming generation, that's what I want. So we've gotta keep taking the risks now and having and having the difficult conversations to make that happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Now there's only one last question that has been on my mind since before we started the interview. And that is, I wanna know about Nick Bradapple and her magical
0: violin. <laughs> well, that originated, um, that was a story I told my granddaughter when she was six years old. So she's now 23. And every Saturday night she'd want, a, she'd want a story. So when she would, certain weekends when she would stay with us, I would make up a story, and and, and after uh, she went to sleep, I came downstairs and said to my wife, you know, this was a pretty good story. I've got to write it down. So that's what I did. I wrote it down. It sat for a number of years, and then I finally got it published over, you know, within the past five years. So it's a, you know, it's a small little story, and it's sweet, and it just makes me really happy.
1: Well, that's good. Well, I I knew that there was a story behind it, and <laughs> I just wanted to to get crack apple her her moment in the sun. Um, so, yeah. is there any sort final of words um, that uh, I bet you that you may want to tell the listeners? Uh, something maybe up and coming? Um, just you know anything that maybe we didn't cover.
0: Yes. Well, if you go to my website, com, there is a free download for a workbook that extracts some parts of Shake It Off leadership that I think would be valuable for you. So it's free. It's like a, you know, it's short. Go to the website, download it, and I believe that that would really kind of kickstart you on some things that you're you're interested in doing for your professional life or your personal life. And you can also uh, you can also go there to purchase both Shake It Off and Ms. Crabapple, and are both available on Amazon. Great.
1: Well, hey, people can tell you on on social media, correct? I, I believe I saw yeah. the icons on your website. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. Yes. Good. Thank you for your time today, Betsy. This has really been a treat, and um, I appreciate it. I'll I'll certainly be doing my part to shake it off as much as I can.
0: Oh, Robert, thank you so much. I appreciate you, and have a good rest of the day.
1: Thank you, you as well. Again, everyone, today, my special guest has been Betsy Cerulo, and you've been talking about her book, Shake It Off Leadership, Achieving Success Through the Eyes of Our Label. And again, like she mentioned, you can find out more about that book and her other book by visiting her website, which is com. And that's B-E-T-S-Y C-E-R-U-L-O dot com. So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Spotify, iHeartRadio, in. Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Amazon Music, and Audible. To follow our show on any of those platforms, visit ByteRadio.me and select the one you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadio.me. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.